Are you trying to be a better grower? Are you tired of those informational growcasts? Do you wish your parents were still together? Do you wish you could communicate with squirrels through Do you wish your toaster dance? could tell jokes? Do you wish clouds made Do you wish spaghetti you Do you wish you had a bizarre Do you wish you had a pet rock Do you wish you had a personal hovercraft and navigation of your stars? Do you wish you had a I'm just playing. Let's do the real shit. What up, Grammys? <laughs> Alright, check it out. Hey, yo, what up? The name is Nerd Grows. I got the buttery turf flows. The way I make these herbs grow. This one's for all my tent homies and my earth hoes. Yo, 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 yo. I, wait, what? what are you doing, man? What? Start the podcast. Alright. So when I was in my early 20s, I went to Florida for my birthday to visit my family. And I got checked by the TSA on the way back because... They found a uh, brick of drugs on the x-ray, and they were right. I did have a plastic wrapped brick in my book bag, and like, I was really nervous, but when when they pulled it out and saw that it was a loaf of banana bread my great aunt had made me, you should have seen the look on her faces. That was a fun afternoon. Like, goddamn. What, like a dude has a mohawk and some piercings, and you think he has... A pound of weed in his book? Yeah, okay. I mean, I get it, but it was banana bread, so fuck y'all. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to episode 12? I don't remember. Episode 12 of Nerd Grows. I'm putting my foot down. I don't care if it isn't. This episode's going to be 12. I'll, I'll go back and I'll rename other episodes. I'll skip numbers. You don't know me like that. Shit. So... <laughs> Not a whole lot of housekeeping this week. First, I want to give a shout out to Joe's Can of Grows. Not only for doing the the awesome bumper, but also sent me some slaps this week. I appreciate it. And other than that, I just want to say thank you for all the love that you've been showing me and Grateful Gardener on the reels we've been making. We've been having a blast making those. <laughs> it's so much fun. But yeah, as long as we got some jokes, we'll keep sending you more reels. <laughs> just wanted to say thank you real quick but yeah as for how my grow is going cure wise i have walter white on day 83 i still got a little bit of that left blueberry slushy is on cure day 16 and purple pea is on cure day 2 i just got it trimmed i ended up also getting much like the blueberry slushy i ended up getting about half ounce but major developments on that later <laughs> i have truck stop boner pills on day 16 in the city picker that's looking really good. I just put a little bit of water down the res today just to see what's happening. But yeah, it's looking nice. It's looking healthy. It's getting real thick. Compton Kool-Aid I have on day 32. Like we talked about last week, I did think I stunted it a bit. But it actually is bigger than I was anticipating. And it is still growing a little bit. It's still, get, it's still getting a little bit taller, stretching a little bit. And then Lemon Runs is a goddamn monster right now. It's just in hard veg, very, very tall just super thick giant leaves on it i thought for sure i had stunted that one as well but i want to give a shout out to a lot of people but specifically the grateful gardener and my friend tree jays for finally peer pressuring me into letting the five gallon pots butt chug it was something i had always not really shied away from but in my head i always thought it was unnecessary because i was like where does it matter where the water is coming from? Because if I'm putting a half gallon in, I'm putting a half gallon in kind of thing. 
now that I've like done some more research or even just like peeling back the side of the pot and seeing how far down it got wet, I'm definitely not soaking the pot enough or getting the water deep enough into the soil where bottom watering helps with that a lot. So after last week's episode, they hit me up and were like, you know, put them in a pan and just pour water in and let them let them drink. Yeah, that was a huge game changer. I found one of those like cement mixing pans. It almost looks like a like a three foot long, like the tray you would roll a paint roller in. And it fits right in the two by two really well. And I put both pots in it and I just flooded it with water. And yeah, they drank a half gallon each. I poured a half gallon in twice and they drank the first one in like 45 minutes <laughs> just to show you how bad the situation was. And then the second one, it took them like maybe two, two, three hours to drink. Just that few hour period where they're drinking, both of the plants got like noticeably taller, like inches taller. As I told you, I had suspected last week that underwatering is probably where I need to catch up more. I'm definitely seeing the results of fixing that this week. Like very, very noticeable results, which is good. And when it comes to any type of skill, you, you kind of have to get the feel and the muscle memory for it. And watering is definitely one of those things, both in like amount, intensity, different watering styles, like top watering, bottom watering, side watering, just throwing it in your pool. It's something I, I'm working on. I believe, like I said last week, I had like isolated every variable except for watering, and that was where I wanted to work this week. And yeah, we leveled up a little bit this week. <laughs> Callback. So the Compton Kool-Aid already has the little bud sites and pom-poms on it. So it's probably not going to get super huge, but I should definitely get a couple ounces off it when it's done. It definitely looks like it's going to be about the same size as my first two plants, the Double Grape and the Walter White. Just good. Like I said, I don't smoke that much, so even if I don't... Oh yeah, yeah, I knew it'd be easy to get up in here. We live? Oh yeah, that's right. It's your man DJ Plicka Plicka Playboy holding it down for the Perfect Talk Podcast. And you know we hacking into this Nerd Grows feed just to give you a little word of advice for my smokers and my tokers, man. If you like to get faded one way, ain't nothing wrong with trying another way. You know what I mean? If you smoke papers, try blunts. If you smoke bowls, try bongs. If you like to smoke it, Try some edibles, man, but get uncomfortably high and push yourself to the limit. That's my advice for the day. Now back to your regularly scheduled program. Get a whole lot. I, obviously, I want huge yields, but if I don't, it's not like I have to go to the dispo for a couple of weeks to wait for the next plant. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. And as you may have noticed, double grape is no longer on my cure list, and that's because uh, it's gone. Now, I gave the last, like, half ounce I had of it to a friend uh, who wanted to dabble in making edibles. And out of all the different strains I have right now, Double Grape is probably my least favorite. It was also my first plant, so I'm sure, like, it doesn't have the great terps it should, obviously. But will definitely make some great edibles. And, yeah, what I'm really excited for is the development of the lemon runs I have going because it's not really showing any signs of flowering and it's gigantic so this may be my best yield plant yet i'm banking on it nah <laughs> i definitely think it will be even just that like at the size it's at right now even when it does decide the flower it's going to be way bigger than anything i've ever grown just 
you can tell based on how big it is right now. <laughs> Watch two two episodes from now. I'm like, I had to kill it, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shit. Nah, everything's going well. It's a good week. So for today's topic, I actually have my first Rosin Press coming today. Like I had said in previous episodes, The Grateful Gardener hooked me up with some rosin so I could try to make vapes for my wife, and I did it successfully. So I decided to get a rosin press, and now we can be fully off the dispensary. I can start pressing rosin for myself, making vapes for for my wife. So for today's topic, I want to go over just some of the research I've been doing and stuff, advice that people have been giving me and stuff I've read online. So in case you ever get your own rosin press and you, you don't know what you're doing, Let's learn this together a little bit this week. But first, we got to do an ad. Are your plants stuck in a botanical rut, lacking the inspiration to reach their full potential? Well, fear not. Here comes Blissful Buds Coaching, where we motivate your marijuana to be the best version of itself. Watch your plants grow with confidence as they repeat affirmations like, I am a strong, independent cannabis plant, and I will reach for the sky. Your garden will radiate positivity like never before. Our special blend of encouraging words infused with essential oils will be misted over your plants daily. Imagine your plants basking in an atmosphere of constant motivation. You can also elevate your plant's self-esteem with personalized coaching sessions. Our trained horticultural motivators will ensure your garden is on a journey to botanical greatness. With Blissful Buds Coaching, you can plant seeds that come with a built-in success story. Your garden will flourish with tales of triumph, inspiring each plant to overcome obstacles and grow into a legend. Head over to nerdgrows.com slash bliss to get started. That's nerdgrows.com slash bliss. All right, let's get back in. All right, so this week I have a Nug Smasher Mini coming, and I'm really excited, really excited to use it, and I don't know how to use it. Obviously, when it comes, I will read the manual. Nah. I love that shit. I love, like, gadgets and technology and stuff. I will eat that manual for breakfast, let me tell you. On top of the technical aspects of learning how to use the machine, there's also the skill of using the machine and the the whole skill of just doing the whole rosin creation process. And that's something that comes with experience. And luckily, I know people who do this that can give me advice. But that's really the part I guess I'm concerned about is I obviously don't want to run through my whole stash learning how to do this. So I'm trying to be as prepared as possible. It seems simple, right? You're just like (laughs) squishing a nug between two heated blocks. Just like with growing and all the variables that come with that, making rosin has its own variables. Like what type of bags do you use? What temperature? What pressure? There are just a whole lot of things that are available for you to manipulate when you're making rosin. And that's something that we're going to kind of talk about a little bit today as I teach myself. Now, in preparation for this episode, I posted on Instagram and asked you guys for your best rosin pressing tips, and I mostly got joke answers because y'all are assholes. <laughs> nah, I love you. It was fun. So I just want to give a couple shout outs here. Uh, friend of the show, Joe's Canagro, said smash, smash, smash with a looks like an explosion emoji. So thank, thank you for that tip. Jesse James, all grown, said press that shit. Yep, that's good. I was planning on it. That was actually, it's on my to-do list. Big Green Guy said, well, he didn't say anything, but he posted the Admiral Akbar. it's a trap. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what that means. My my assumption is it means, like, that's another rabbit hole to fall down into when it comes to growing, which I agree. However, 
just like with setting up my grow, I set it up where I'm ultimately saving money. And with the rosin press, I set it up the same way. Little tangent here with the initial investment versus what we're spending on carts from the dispensary. I think we're going to break even money wise in like it was like four and change months. So it is a good investment if you have the time and if you want to learn it. I mean, I guess I can't say that because I haven't done it yet. But from what I've been told and like on paper, just from a fiscal standpoint, making your own rosin to make either dabs or vapes, you can save a lot of money if it's something you do regularly. All right. So another friend of the show, Master Yoda, actually gave really good information. Thank you. <laughs> he said, let the heat work, not the pressure. Try playing around with temperatures between 175 and 205 Fahrenheit. You'll notice the higher the temp, the darker the rosin. Higher temps might also give you a larger yield, but slightly less quality. Lower temps will sacrifice a little bit of yield, but will give you higher quality. Johnny Grills One said, keep your fingers and other body parts clear when engaging the press. That's definitely something I'm worried about. You know I'm going to try to make like a quesadilla in it at least once. Just put it on like the lowest pressure. I'm like, can I can I make like a little like a panini that like a hamster would eat in it? That would be awesome. You know that's gonna happen. And then I'm gonna go try to touch the cheese and then get my finger pressed. Paranoid grower said that as soon as I get it in the mail, I should just slap on a new address label and just mail it to him, which I am debating. Uh, I'm gonna flip a coin later actually when it comes. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna play rock paper scissors with the UPS guy. Be like, all right. If I lose, you're taking this back. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for all the advice, <coughs> Master Yoda and everybody else. <laughs> nah, I'm glad I'm glad we're having so much fun. And if you don't already, you can follow me on Instagram at NerdGross. So outside of that plethora of knowledge we just got from Instagram, I did find a really cool article on Rosineer, which I ended up going with Nug Smasher, but Rosineer was the other one I was debating. And they have a blog post on their website called Rosin Pressing Tips. And I wanted to go through it because I haven't read it yet. I, I found it. It's been like on my to-do list to read this week, but I haven't. And I figured we would just read it together. I can give my thoughts of it. If you want to check it out yourself, you can go to rosineer.com slash pages slash rosin hyphen pressing hyphen tips. Or I'm sure you can probably find it a lot faster just by googling it but i don't know your style all right so their first tip is for optimal yield and quality select plant material that has been harvested within two to six weeks of pressing and to me that makes sense because just in general when it comes to vegetation just fresh is better the next section i'm not going to read because it's just basic curing it's basically just saying make sure your your flower is cured it does say wait 48 hours. So like don't press until at least cure day two just to let them get back to the correct humidity. Next it says you can grind or break up your flour and put it in a pre-press mold to make a puck. I've seen people do that. I've also seen people just like put the whole nug right in the press. So I'm not sure what the best strategy is for that. That's something I want to research a little bit more. Tell me your style, like how you prefer to do it if you're listening and you press rosin. So then they go on to talk about filter bags and how they work and how they give you a higher quality because it removes the plant material, which makes sense. You're kind of straining it 
It's like a cheesecloth kind of thing. And you can press without a bag, but it gives you higher yield and lower quality. Now there's different mesh size bags, and that's something I don't know about, but they do have a little chart here on their website. So they said for sizes 25 and 36, you want to use that for key for bubble hash or dry sift. Makes sense if it's a very, very tight screen and you're basically putting powder into it. And then it says for flour, it has good yield and good quality. And then the medium size level, it says pretty good balance between yield and quality. And then the highest level is high yield and lower quality. So exactly like what Master Yoda said on Instagram. The next part of their article is pretty interesting. They talk about temperature and timing. They said there's two different types. You could do cold pressing, which gives you a says a batter consistency, but there is a sacrifice to yield. And then hot pressing gives like a sap or shatter. And the hotter you press, the higher yield you get, but drop in quality and terpenes. And then they do have a little chart for whether you're doing key for hash or flour and what temperature and how long to do it for. And it says you can make butter, B-U-D-D-E-R. This is actually really interesting because go into the dispensary and you look at the concentrates and they have all of these different types. I don't know what it means. <laughs> you know, I don't know the difference between like shatter and butter. And I guess now we're learning. But it says you can stir fresh rosin to give it um, a butter consistency, which kind of isn't that true for honey as well. Like you can whip honey. Is that how honey butter's made? You whip honey and then you whip, put butter in it. <laughs> no, nah, I'm pretty sure you just like whip honey, right? Or like carrot, like whipping caramel. The other thing I've talked to people about, and they actually mention it in the Rosanier article, is blowouts, which I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming the same thing is true as like the way a parent would use it about diapers, where it's just like the pressure is just so intense that it just essentially sprays out. Is that why you see some people have like a really long sheet of parchment paper out in front of the machine? That way it catches it if it does blow out. Other people that blow it out on purpose like that. I've seen like videos of that. Maybe it's just for the looks. But yeah, I think that covers the basics of pressing rosin. Obviously, I have no experience with this yet. And this is just my pre-research. Next week, we'll definitely go over how my first runs of it went and everything. But I wanted to go over the basics or at least do, do my best to research the basics. Now, I know we only talked about one article today. I did read a handful of other articles and a lot of them parroted the same sentiments as well as people I know have given me almost the exact same advice that I've been reading. So it seems like the, while, while there is different strategies and everyone has their own style of doing it, the actual workflow of it does seem to be pretty consistent across the board. So yeah, as we wrap up the show, I want to tell you about TV show I've been rewatching this week, but first we got to do another ad. Are you tired of the same old serious gardening routine? Say hello to the horticultural hilarity with Whimsical Wonders, the cannabis growing company that takes the fun of growing to a whole new level. Try their cotton candy compost because your plants deserve a sugar rush. Our revolutionary compost is made of the finest cotton candy clouds, ensuring your garden is both sweet and surreal. With gesture jiving genetics, say goodbye to ordinary strains and welcome laughter-inducing varieties. From giggle ganja to chuckling cheese, your garden will be a carnival of cannabis comedy. With Dancy Daisy's Nutrient Mix, you can watch your plants boogie down with joy as they absorb our nutrient mix infused with disco beats. With our bubbly bath spritz, you can pamper your plants with our spa-grade spritz infused with ticklish bubbles. 
Your buds will giggle their way to harvest, ensuring a harvest full of laughter and levity. We also have two new products, the rocket-powered pruners that let you trim your plants at warp speed and magic mushroom mulch that will give your plants psychedelic dreams to grow up with a hint of whimsical wisdom. Whimsical wonders. Embrace the nonsensical nature in life. Head over to nerdgrows.com wonders to get started. That's nerdgrows.com wonders. So I'm not a huge anime guy in general, and it's weird because like it if I watch an anime and I tell someone about it, they're like, oh, you're a, I'm not an anime person like you are. And I'm like, I'm not either. It's not definitely not my favorite <laughs> style of TV show. However, really good stories and really well-made shows are really good stories and really well-made shows. I've seen like a handful of like the really legendary animes. And the one I want to talk about today is one that I started rewatching this week, and that is Attack on Titan. Now, in America, Attack on Titan is available on Hulu, and they have every episode except for the last two episodes in both dub and sub. And I think the last two episodes, like the, the two-part finale, is just subtitled right now. And that's why I decided to rewatch it, because I think I fell off like a couple episodes until the last season, because I, I, I didn't want to watch it week to week. I wanted to wait for all of it to finish. And I finally got around to, you know, it caught my eye when I was on Hulu. So I tried to pick up where I left off and was very confused and I had forgot a lot of the plot. So I decided to just start back at the beginning. I've just kind of had it on. I, I've seen the first two seasons, I think twice, because I was like watching it and rewatching it as it was airing over the past however many years. So I've just kind of had the first couple seasons on as background noise this week and then I'll start to pay attention more as it gets later in. So if you're not familiar with Attack on Titan, it's about this city on an island. And at least at the beginning, they believe that they're the last remaining people on Earth. And the city has these layers of walls because the rest of the island is covered in these giants. They're very creepy. They're like really, really tall. Like some of them could be like 10, 20, 30, 40 feet tall. And they're naked humans, but they don't have like genitals or anything. They look like you know, <laughs> look like Barbie and Ken dolls, basically. And then they have, for the most part, like no emotion on their face. And if they see a human, they just walk up to it and eat it. So in the first episode, the story starts with this giant Titan showing up, ripping a hole in one of the walls, and then a bunch of Titans flood in. And I actually think that Attack on Titan has a really, really strong first episode. And I feel like, you know, a lot of anime they have hundreds and hundreds of episodes and you're like, oh, how many episodes do I have to watch before I know if I like this or not? But I feel like with Attack on Titan, the very first episode really gives you a little bit of everything. If you finish that episode and you're like, oh shit, okay, you're probably good at that point. And without getting into spoilers, I just want to talk about one thing I really like about the show and it's how the themes of it develop over time. As for the main character, he kind of goes down the like, hero to anti-hero pipeline like a breaking bad kind of thing it's not that blatant but like it's a very like relatable trope that we see in a lot of other tv shows however the other themes of the show i think are really important and i like how it develops because as the show goes on it gets more into like political intrigue and government you know how like a lot of wars start because people are ignorant of each other and afraid of each other and it kind of plays into that and then like the power of like totalitarian governments and i've seen people criticize the show for i guess like supporting fascist ideas or fascism but 
I don't get that when I watch it because I see the the entire story of Attack on Titan is like a cautionary tale. Even though the characters are in the military, it's not like the government isn't an antagonist in the story. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I don't really see it as the show supporting super authoritarian governments because a lot of the plot is based on their missteps and their greed and their fear. And I think that's part of what makes Attack on Titan so great is that you get to see humans being humans in this very scary and strict kind of time period where everybody just wants, you know, what's best for their people, what's best for their family. Just like how in both sides of a war, both armies or both countries think that they're doing the right thing at the same time. And it does play around with those concepts. It makes it difficult to watch sometimes because you're like, you don't want to root for this person, but they're making you like them. Like the the show's like, hey, here's an awful character. A character's stuck in an awful situation, but they're the main character now. So like, they're your guy. Go for it. And you're like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, It's just really cool as the show develops more and more. I mean, obviously the Titans are a, a huge threat and it's cool to watch them fight. But almost similar to shows like The Walking Dead, where it's like, yeah, the zombies are there, but the show's really about the humans. It has kind of that vibe to it. So right now, I am I think I'm finishing up season one. I'm starting season two right now, and I'm just trying to work my way up so I can watch the second half of the last season and actually know what's happening. <laughs> but yeah, if you're a fan of Attack on Titan, hit me up and let me know. We can talk about it. So all right, I... Uh, I got my plants butt chugging. We got a rosin press on the way. We're learning how to use it and uh, watch some anime this week. (laughs) All right. Until next week. Peace, y'all.